is the value of the Word of God and that it can be measured by what it produces, the Word of God produces. And so it talks about converting the soul, it talks about making wise the simple, it talks about rejoicing the heart, it talks about enlightening the eyes. And so it is a wonderful uh, thing to think about. And these are the only things that would make anyone appreciate the Word of God. The blessings that come from it. Come from reading it, come from studying it, come from hearing it preached, or hearing it talked. It's called, the Bible calls it the law, the testimony, the statutes, the commandments, the Word, and the scriptures. And uh, of course it is uh, something that is wonderful. And it's powerful. I got to look in some scriptures uh, this afternoon related to the Word of God. And I just want to read some of these, talking about how powerful the Word of God is. In Jeremiah, you don't have to turn to these. I'll read these and uh, uh, I'll read, read these passages and give them to you later if you want them. In Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 14, Wherefore, thus saith the Lord, God of hosts, because you speak this word, Behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire, and the people would, and it shall devour them. Now, he's talking to Jeremiah there when he says that. It also says this in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 29, Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh rock to pieces? Talking about the power of the word. And then in Ezekiel chapter 37... Uh, and I think that's, that's neat, that passage of Scripture that's found in Ezekiel. And in the seventh verse it says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to, to, to his bone. And of course you know the story there, that there was a valley full of dry bones, and the Bible said they were very dry, and Ezekiel was told to go preach to them, prophesy to those bones. And you know the story about how they began to come together and rattle and, and how that God put flesh on those bones. And of course it was talking about uh, the fact that God was going to do a work of grace. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll turn there and read uh, uh, what the Bible says that that meant. And this is what it says in that 37th chapter of Ezekiel. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dry and our hope is lost. We are cut off uh, from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come, uh, come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and you shall live and I shall, and, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I am the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. And we believe that in this is a picture of how God gives spiritual life. Always how God gives spiritual life. So that's an awesome passage of Scripture that is found there. And it's talking about the power of the Word of God. Also, we're familiar with this one, I'm sure. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul said, 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. And it says this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 it says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So these are just some scripture that talks about the power of the Word of God. And of course in our psalm tonight, the law of the Lord is perfect converting, converting the soul. Now ever since that awful day when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, and man fell in sin, man's face has been turned away from God. The Bible says this in Psalm uh, chapter 30, uh, 50, 52 and verse 3, that we're estranged from the womb uh, as soon as, as born. In Isaiah 53 and verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, turned everyone to his own way. And then there's a passage in uh, uh, 1 Peter and chapter 2 and verse 25 says this, For you were as sheep going astray, but now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. And so we understand that the Bible is talking about uh, talking about turning one uh, around. And uh, so our need is to be turned around. And that's the meaning of conversion as we have here. <clears throat> the law of the Lord is perfect, converting uh, the soul. Now, if you've been in the ever been in the military or you've watched or whatever, there's a command that says about face. And anybody that's been in the military know that that means you put your right foot back behind your left foot and you do a spin. And when you stop, you're going in the opposite direction. And that's something of the meaning of conversion. Now I want to give you some ways that conversion is used in the Bible. Of course there is true conversion. There is true conversion. And I believe this is what he's talking about here when it says converting the soul. And there is a true conversion. And um, in, the, in the book of 2 Corinthians and in chapter number 7, there's a passage of scripture there that I believe describes that. Chapter 7 and in verse number uh, 10. And here's what it says. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And so there is a sorrow of the soul that worketh repentance, and that's talking about true conversion. But I want to share with you a couple other ways that the Bible uses that. I'm going to share something in chapter Luke in chapter number 8. And everybody knows this story so very uh, well. It's a parable of the sower. And so I want to share with you that the Bible teaches there is a temporary conversion. That there may be a turning around uh, in one's experience that doesn't last. That doesn't amount to anything. And so this is what it says in verse 11 of that chapter. Now the parable is this. This is Jesus speaking. 
The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. And so they're not going to be saved. And they that are on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And so that's temporary. That's just temporary. For a while they believe. And he goes on to say this in verse 14, And that which fell among the thorns are they, which when they have heard, they go forth, and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. These groups are not saved people. They're people who uh, make some kind of commitment for a little while, and then uh, it changes. So that's, that's a conversion that is temporary, temporary conversion. Then there's another one. There is a conversion that the child of God can experience, and what it means is that sometimes even the child of God needs to change direction, needs to change direction in life. And the example that I'd give you of that is found in, in Luke, in chapter uh, 22. Luke chapter 22, and uh, it's in verse 32. Luke 22, and in verse uh, 32, uh, and here's what it says. I'll read verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Now, everyone that is truly saved, that's going to be the case. Because uh, the Lord is, uh, is our advocate, and he's going to uh, be with us and promise that we would preserve even when we are maybe going in the wrong direction. He said, I prayed for you, the faith fail not. And then he said, says this, when thou art converted, strengthen the brother. In other words, when you get turned around, even a saved person needs to be turned around every once in a while, needs to be turned. So those are the ways that the Bible uses the word conversion. Now, what, what we have here in our passage of Scripture, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. How does it do that? How, how does that happen? The law of the Lord converts the soul in two ways. Number one, the Word of God shows people when they are wrong. Shows people their need. That's what the Word of God uh, will do. And so that's, that's the first thing that it does. And there are multitudes in this world that they are wrong, on the wrong path, going the wrong direction, and they don't know it. They simply don't know it. You say, well, they ought to know it because uh, the Word of God teaches, well, they don't know. They don't know. I've told the story several times about a man that I knew years ago. He lived in the Kidville community, and uh, he had never made a profession of faith. He had never followed the Lord in baptism, church membership, and, and those kind of things. And I had the opportunity to witness to him a lot. And he would, uh, he would come across with this idea, uh, I've never done any bad stuff in my life. 
I've never, I've always tried to do the right thing. And, and I've thought about him so many times, and I never was able to convince him that he needed to be saved, actually, needed to be saved. Because he had the idea that lots of people have, and that is the idea, if, I, if I'm good and I, I do the right thing, then, you know, one of these days, maybe I'll make it into heaven. And that, that uh, you'd be surprised how many uh, people in this world uh, that think like that. They, they believe that uh, going to heaven is, i got to be good so I can go to heaven. Uh, I, I remember that song, I don't know, when I was a kid, it was uh, one of those songs, and it said, um, uh, I, I can't remember what it was talking about, but I remember one line in it, uh, his, his girlfriend was killed, and he said, I've got to be good so I can go to heaven when I leave this world. I can't remember exactly what that song was, and maybe it was something I oughtn't even mention tonight, because... There's a lot of those songs that are not necessarily a good thing. Uh, in other words, his baby was killed and left this world. and He's got to be good so he can go to heaven when he leaves this world. You'd be surprised at the people who think that way. They, they think that way. They believe that. And so they're going down a wrong uh, direction. And even some of them pray. I know one person that I talked to uh, have talked to over the years several times, and uh, I remember, I think the last time I talked to him, he uh, shared with me, well, I want you to know I'm all right. I pray every day. Well, I don't know whether he does or not, but a person can pray, and your prayers don't amount to anything. But there are people who pray. They'll tell you they do, and maybe attend church services, and do good for people and things like that. And they believe that... one. You see, the the thinking is that if I can do enough good, maybe one day it's going to outweigh any bad that goes on in my life, and I'll just make it into heaven. How many times have you heard somebody say, if you ask them, are you going to go to heaven when you die? Well, I hope so. I hope I do, and you know, they don't, they don't know that uh, for sure. Usually those people are blind to their own faults, to the things that are wrong in their life. And, and I know there's a passage of Scripture uh, I, I've read this several times over the years. It's found in Romans and chapter number 10, and I think it's a pretty good description where Paul says this, in, beginning in verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. There's people in this world, they have always been, that have, have had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And he goes on to describe what was wrong. What's wrong? For they've been ignorant of God's righteousness. Now this is not the righteousness of God Himself, but it's a, the righteousness which God uh, blesses the true believer with, and it's the imputed righteousness of Christ. It says, being ignorant of God's righteousness, go about to establish their own righteous and have not righteousness and have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. And, and you know, that's, that's how God, he goes on to say, for Christ is the end of, uh, end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And so, 
when God saves someone, genuinely saves someone, not only does he take away the penalty of our sin, but he imputes to us the righteousness of Christ. Isn't that something? That's how God does that. And so there's a lot of people in this world who are not aware that they're wrong. And I know that. I mean, I know that from talking, uh, talking to people. And I mean, they'll say things to you. Well, I'm not that bad, you know. I, surely I'm not going to go to hell when I die. I'm not that bad or whatever. But they are not aware. Uh, they, they may say, well, I don't commit any gross immorality or gross sin. I remember that man I was talking to you about that I knew. He would say that. I've never done this or I've never done that. I've never killed anybody. I don't lie to nobody and all these kind of things. And so he thought he was all right. I've often wondered about him. Oh, I've thought about him so many times. He's dead and gone now, I know, because he was an elderly man when I knew him, when I was able to talk to him and everything. And you know, he was one of those that he would attend church service. He would do different things. And he thought everything was okay in his life. But you know what? The gospel, the word of God, the law of the Lord is something that will convince people that they are wrong. And that's how it's used of God for that. And I want to say this about it. It is, uh, it, it is only as the Holy Spirit uses it. You might say, well, what was wrong with that man that you kept talking to? Well, what was wrong with him was that the Spirit of the Lord was not using the Word. It wasn't the fact that the Word was not shared with him, but it was the fact that the Spirit of God uh, was not using that Word in his life. You know, a person could read through the Bible 50 times and never come out to see his error or his need for salvation. A person could do that. As a matter of fact, I've told this story too. Years ago, I worked at Squirty Company in Lexington. I think about this fellow too. You know, people had told me, I worked in the group next to the group he worked in, and they told me, he said, don't, don't you try to witness to him. Uh, he knows the Bible like you would not believe, and he will uh, trap you. He, will, he has ways of doing that, and he took great pride in the ability to do that. He was not a believer, but it, somehow he knew the Bible. It was amazing. And so many times I've thought about that, how that I didn't bother him over that. I didn't want to get trapped up. and didn't think I was able to defend my uh, beliefs or the Word of God in, in his experience. But, and I never did, uh, never did. I felt bad about that. Felt bad about that. And of course it caused me over the years to want to get in the Word of God and learn it and learn it well because of being able to witness to people. So if you know people that need salvation, I want you to remember that the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. When the Holy Spirit uses God's Word in people's lives, they come to be aware. Not only reading the Bible 50 times, but going to church for 50 years. Going to church for 50 years and never coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And over the years I've known people like that. I've known people who went to church all of their life, never made a profession of faith, never followed the Lord in baptism, never was a member of a church, and yet they were exposed to the preaching of the gospel constantly. And that does happen. And that illustrates this one fact, that the law of the Lord 
uh, converting the soul requires the work of the Holy Spirit in using the Scripture. And not only does the law of the Lord or God's revealed Word uh, teach people when they are wrong and what they need, but it also shows them how to get right, how to uh, get uh, where they need to be. And, of course, as long as there's no uh, interest uh, in being converted or whatever, there will never be any seeking to be, as long as that's true. Once one is convinced and convicted of the Spirit of God, that person may begin to seek the, seek the Lord. And only as the Spirit leads would He do that. How many times do you ever hear somebody say, well, one of these days I'm going to be saved. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I have. I've heard people say that. One of these days I'm going to be saved. One of these days. Well, I want to tell you something. There's another thing that needs to be needs to happen before they can be saved. And that is the Spirit of the Lord must be working in their life. You know, we are familiar with uh, what the Bible says about <clears throat> seek the Lord while He may be found and call upon Him while He's near. You know what that means? That means that there may be times when He's not found. There may be times when He's not near. Seek the Lord while He may be found and call upon Him while He is near. Those statements to me illustrate the fact that the Spirit of God must be working in a person's life. You know, you can read the Bible and scarcely will you find uh, ever where Christ is not set forth as the Savior of sinners. And not only does the, does the Word of God reveal the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, but also it helps people to savingly believe, savingly believe on His Word. I read an article, a part of it anyway, and, and I'm going to go back and look it up again. You all know that I... Uh, I like to read after Arthur W. Pink. I, I love to read after him. And uh, he, he was a man that was, he pastored in Kentucky. Uh, of course, he's dead and gone now. He came over here from England to go to school. I believe it, it was Moody Bible Institute. He was so sharp, they told him they couldn't teach him anything, that he just needed to go on and serve in the ministry as he seen fit. Well, he pastored for a while. Then he went back over there, and he wrote, uh, they're called um, Studies in the Scripture. As a matter of fact, I've got them all. I've, not, not all of them. I mean, they're, they, they go back to a certain point where uh, he didn't believe right about uh, eschatology, and then he changed his view, and they started... Uh, the studies in Scripture start when the view was right, and that, those are the ones that I have. But he, he, he wrote a, an article talking about the difficulty of saving faith. And I, I, I looked at that not long ago, a week or two ago, when I was reading how difficult saving faith is. And maybe sometime I can share with you uh, the points that he made. That might be a good Wednesday night study or whatever. And, and you might say, well, it's not hard to believe. It's easy. You know, we got a problem in our world today and have had for a long time, and it's called easy believism evangelism. In other words, people say, well, 
All you got to do is just repeat after me these words and you're saved. You know, easy believism. And uh, decisional regeneration. You've heard me talk about that. People aren't saved by a decision. Now, when we're saved, we make a decision. You know, we sing that little song every once in a while. I have decided to follow Jesus. I like that little song. And you know, it's something that was true in my life. But I want to tell you something. I wasn't saved because I made a decision. I was saved by His wonderful, marvelous grace. And then the decisions came. That's the right way. And, but there are people, I heard a Baptist preacher not long ago, say that. Your decision will determine whether you go to heaven or hell. Well, that might be partly true, but it ain't completely true because God don't save people because of a decision. The decision is important and the decision will happen if, if the Lord saves. You've heard me say this a lot of times and I really do believe it. You know, when we have a church service and invitations given and some unsaved person steps out of their pew and comes up that aisle, you know what? Dead men don't walk. God had given them life before they ever stepped out. And they come to confess Christ as their personal Savior. But they weren't saved because they did that. They did that because God had given them life. You see, that's what we need to understand about, about that. And so, uh, I thought that was interesting, that article that he had written about the difficulty of saving faith. But uh, it, it, is, it is true. So, what happens, the second thing is that not only does, he, does the Word of God teach us when we need the Lord, when, we, when we're wrong, but it teaches us how to, how to be right. And so that's a wonderful truth about that. Then this uh, matter of conversion, I actually believe that it continues throughout the life of the believer. I believe that we're converted in some degree, in some way, just on and on and on. How many of you that's been saved for a long, long time, you have grown, you have learned new things, it changed your life. Remember what I said to you a while ago about, you know, about my life will never be the same? You know, we're changed by that. I can tell you that over the years there's been lots of things that I have learned from God's Word that literally changed my life, changed my view of things in the world and in my life. It changed it. And that's what uh, the law of the Lord will do. That's what the Word of God will do in our life. We experience conversion by degree as we go, uh, go on through life. And I, I want to close by sharing this thought with you. I think it's important related to this. If you know someone that needs the Lord, and you're burdened for them. You know, that's how God uses us uh, to accomplish His purpose and plan is that He gives us a burden. Maybe a burden for people or things or whatever. You just remember that the Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It accomplishes what God chooses for it to do. And, and I want you to know that many a times in my, my experience and uh, talking with people, maybe 
trying to uh, convince them to come to the Lord and how important that is and everything. And then I begin to quote the Scripture and see a difference that happens to that person. You can see it in their face. And the Word of God does that. God blesses His Word. Aren't you thankful for that? God always blesses His Word. And we need to love it. We need to cherish it. We need to learn it. We need to use it. And uh, God will bless us in that process. Let's bow together. Father, we thank and praise You for this simple statement that's made here in this psalm. And we know that Your Word is perfect. It accomplishes Your purpose and Your plan in the lives of people that You're dealing with. We also thank You, dear Lord, for the fact that the Holy Spirit uses it and that no one is affected by other than the work of the Holy Spirit. So we thank You for that wonderful truth. Bless us now as we come to the close of this worship experience. And uh, Father, as we sing this closing hymn, uh, speak to our hearts if it be Your precious will. And we pray in Jesus' name and for His sake. And Amen. All right, if you'd stand together with me while Brother Ronnie leads us in a closing number.